Hey, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Tell the Damn Story. We got Alex Simmons right here. That's right. I'm sitting right here. <laughs> That's right. And we have someone who has survived Alex Simmons's hey, uh, hey, film classes hey. <laughs> to move on to greatness. Uh, we have Brick Cuddy here with us today. Welcome, <sighs> Brick. Good to see you. Thank you. Hello. All right. Crowd went uh, wild. <laughs> so what we want to do today, we're going to talk about... Um, the idea of going, you know, going for your dream. And, Is that what we're uh, going to talk about? That's right. Getting your uh, education, even if it's, if it's with Alex Simmons. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> creating your own film uh, and music video. We're going to talk about that. Uh, no matter the obstacles. And Breck, you had some serious, um, interesting obstacles. Yeah, and I get to jump in there now well. and, and set some of that up, too, because I met... Now, ladies and gentlemen, I met Alex Breck. Simmons. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Good, good, good afternoon, everybody. I'm here, too. Um, I met Breck back in... Actually, it was 2019. It was the fall of 2019 at the New York Film Academy, where I was teaching screenwriting. And Breck was a student. And, and after meeting me, he stayed on anyway. So, you know, more power to him. Uh, but he got through that first semester, that fall of, of 2019. And, and there we began 2020, like everybody else, January, February, March, just, you know, early part of March, thinking that life goes on, oobla dee, and then bam, we were hit with the pandemic. And uh, I'm just going to say, Breck, that it, you know, A, it's, it's great to have you here. And, and actually, you should get a chance to say hello. So say hello. Uh, hello. hello. <laughs> there you go. Um, it was it was phenomenal because it was like I think it was like the 14th of March and everything shut down. I mean, everything went virtual suddenly, you know, without much preparation. And you and your fellow classmates of about I think it was like seven or eight other students. Suddenly you were forced to take classes online. And at a film school where part of the appeal was supposedly hands-on of the equipment. And, and also some of you were forced to go back home to the various parts of the United States or the world that you lived in. I think some of us were from, some of them were from Mexico and you were from where Breck? I'm so I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. Right. And, and is that where you went back to uh, at that time? It is. Yes. And um, yeah. And we stayed online with the, uh, getting ready for our thesis films to for the end of that summer and uh there were i think 14 of us in that class which was good because um pretty much all we could do really was just constantly go over each other's scripts over and over and over and over so if there were any less than that i think we would have just all hated what we had written by that point by reading it so much but luckily we had a little bit of diversity there and um yeah, and like I said, going back to Birmingham was definitely easier than like, uh, like I had a friend who lived in Brazil, and she ended up having to come stay with us for a while because she couldn't get back to Brazil. So, wow. uh, you know, in Kazakhstan and where else in the world? So, um, but yeah, at the time it was tough, but we were able to you know keep working on our stuff and keep pushing through. Well, now you 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 opened up the door right where I wanted to go with that, where Chris and I wanted to go with that is before we talk about what was accomplished, what was it like for you guys at that point? I mean, I know where what I saw, but what was it like for you, you know, at that point? Um, for us it was it was kind of confusing because you know, we're doing all this stuff 
throughout the year to prepare for your thesis film, which is like obviously the big hoorah to like finish off the, the year. And um, then we go home, we think, oh, we're getting like a two week break, whatever, and like everyone else thought. And then uh, all of a sudden the school is just like, hey, like you don't have to shoot your thesis film if you can't. And so everyone's like, oh my God, like I put all this work into this and they still were saying you're you'll be graded on your pre-production work even if you don't shoot it we want you to go through all the pre-production stuff so um luckily like I said in Birmingham Alabama I was it was enough I was able to find enough like a place that was far enough away from a city to be able to go you know make a production and keep everyone safe um but I know there were so many at the school and across the country that and across the world that weren't able to do stuff like that. Yeah, uh, let, let, let me just lay in a little bit of groundwork pre-production. So again, because not everybody went through what you did, my friend. Um, so basically the, the process was uh, students came to, to NIFA, some of them who had never written a screenplay before in their lives, others who had dabbled. And sometimes we had students, not all of them young, who had had some work or professional experience, but that were, were changing their careers and, and, and wanted to study filmmaking. And so there was learning about how to tell stories, learning how to write screenplays, learning how to work uh, the uh, camera equipment, how to edit film, how to deal with sound equipment as well, and how to set up pre and post production on a film or a, you know, even some of the shorter projects. So there was a number of steps that you guys had already been going through from September to January from 2019, and then into 2020, where you've been working on your screenplay. Now, thesis film is the longest of the films that you produce in the class, right? So how long was, was that film supposed to be? It's supposed to be... Uh... I think everyone's target goal is under 20 minutes. Mine was a little longer, which I still regret. <laughs> um, <laughs> if I could do it again, it would not, it would be, you know, five, six minutes less. But, um, but uh, yeah, so the biggest thing we had done is maybe like a 10 or 12 minute thing that was very much less produced. Um, so, you know, this was definitely like a, big thing for everyone but the the nice thing about what the program we ran into is the conservatory program so it was just what you were saying just those production tools that you're learning and um and it feel it's it felt more like a trade school for film yeah. than like a typical university where you also have to go to you know statistics and Philosophy. you know maybe if a lot exactly yeah, which those are great things to learn great thing. yeah but, sure I had already gone through some of that uh, at a traditional university and then I came to this. So I was able to. So, so there that. you were in, in the middle of the cold, the, the pandemic. I mean, really, this is, this is when it was hitting the hardest when the numbers of those who are no longer with us were rising. Uh, what was the state of mind uh, for you or for you and some of your classmates? Um, it was definitely scary because um I mean, we had all been in, I think a big part of the scariness for us was that we were in New York City when it happened, you know, and for m pretty much everyone in the class, except maybe two people, like, I was my, when I moved to New York, that was my first time ever in New York, you know, eight months before that. Mm -hmm. And um, 
like I lived pretty close to the World Trade Center and I would just bike around all the time on weekends and like I just remember one Sunday after like you said everything kind of uh disbanded I got on my bike and was biking around and the World Trade Center was just completely empty like the whole um like area with the fountains was just it was like a ghost town and it was yeah. such like a and then a couple days later a few of my friends from the class um woke me up at like 3 a.m and they were like this is the last time we'll see each other in a long time let's go to Times Square and you're like oh god okay and even at 3 a.m I feel like Times Square is usually pretty you know yeah, lucrative. Sure. Happening. it was completely empty and it was silent and we were the only people in the middle of these giant billboards and it was the that right there was like for me it was like oh my god like this is something this something is serious else. yeah 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 it's like Night of the Walking Dead or something like that. Exactly. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You know, wow. So, um, go ahead, Chris. I, I wanted to ask, uh, there you are in New York prepping for your senior thesis. And it's New York City, right? Um, you can't help but get influenced by that and maybe even think I'm going to shoot in and around New York city, you know? Um, but you wrote a Western. Were you writing a Western pre COVID? Yes. So this uh, was always the project. Actually, Alex, I give credit for um, uh -oh. how the idea came about because we were in his class one day and he put us in groups, whatever. And our classes are two hours and 40 minutes long. And, about 10 minutes into class, he goes, okay, get with these little four-person groups and uh, come up with an idea for a pilot script. And then at the end of the class, you have to pitch this idea. And I used, I don't do it anymore. I need to do it again. Uh, carry around just this little idea book with me. Sure. And I had like eight things maybe. And one of them was um, pretty much the idea for this Western of like, what would happen in that time if someone got lost? Like, how would you go about finding them? And it turned into a civil war, like a post-civil war thing and something completely different, but still like having that and having multiple other people to bounce the idea off of and kind of structure something was yeah. what kind of led to that. And then when we got to it's the pre-production before we left New York, um, I was looking at shooting things in upstate New York and I was like oh my god getting everyone there is gonna be oh it's like I saved like by shooting it in Alabama versus upstate New York a lot of money <laughs> oh yeah but, oh yeah that's a yeah. lot of money um the name of this show is tell the damn story and there you are having to go back to uh, Alabama senior thesis on the line and basically the world has to stay indoors. Mm -hmm. It's a great challenge for anybody, but for first-time filmmaker, how big was the temptation to say, "All right, I'll just, you know, not make the film"? I mean, it was it was there for sure, but um, again, going back to with the idea for the pilot um this short is a proof of concept for a pilot that i've right. written and um the lead actor who's the older brother in the film we're roommates now we've written the first three episodes together and 
so at that point I had like was working on the pilot and I was like ah like I just want to do this to be able to show it to someone in the future you know and get this Mm -hmm. done and I and I don't think that you know things can get piled up so quickly and you're like oh I'll get to that I'll get to that and I I'm uh I would say I'm pretty good about not letting that happen for okay well that's about I'm very interested in in getting to that part because as you know uh from perhaps your peers or whatever a lot of people want to be creative or say they have an idea and there is a universe of difference between saying you have an idea and making the idea become Mm -hmm. right so i'd love if you could talk about the thought process and the just you know get up and do it um in the face of covid how did you finally just say ah hell with it i'm going forward what what brought Um, you to that so our producing instructor at the school um i don't know if i can draw i mean i'm sure he wouldn't care richard d'angelo yeah richard d'angelo um was planning on producing a western feature in alabama and found this old west town found all these contacts and stuff and then there was a point during the summer where I just kind of felt lost and like oh my god like I want to do this but I don't know how I'm going to do this and luck really just happened when he we were just talking about it we were having a one-on-one meeting about just the project itself and he was like well this feature that I was producing just got moved to Montana but I have all these contacts let me give them to you yeah and so that was a very lucky thing um, to be able to shoot in the town that we shot in. It was only about an hour from my house. Um, and the guy who owns the town was just very kind. And him and Richard had a good dialogue set up beforehand. So I was kind of coming into it, uh, you know, with him knowing something about what was going on. So There's, there's a saying that... Um luck is the result of one showing up and two participating is this an example of that i would say so yeah i mean but i mean it also goes to i was just you know just sitting in my room all summer and i was it was just like this anxiousness that i had of just like god i just want to do it you know just like every i think everyone had that you know and um everyone especially everyone that's creative had to find some outlet for that yeah and um and we're starting this... to see those come out in the world which is a really exactly. cool time yeah yeah it's really great so, let's so, go to go ahead. yeah you you um th- there's a couple of things you did breck that that again sort of stand out in my mind um and and without mentioning other people's names in terms of the students <clears throat> uh there was one student who was having difficulty because you know the circumstances were hard on everybody and different people were dealing with it differently or had less support or no support or whatever but there was one student who's having a, a certain amount of challenge moving forward and and I don't know if it was and this is what I'm asking I don't know if it was out of circumstances accident or intention that you sort of gelled with this person and this person became 
uh, involved in your project, which sort of helped him move forward. Without mentioning his name, can you can you talk about that? What that was like? I think that he would be okay if I mentioned his name, if that's okay with you. <laughs> oh no, it's fine. If you think he'll be okay, otherwise, so, you know, when he comes to name. sue us, so, I'll just point him in your direction. I'll just say first name. So this is a great friend of mine. His name's Kyle. I think that's who you're talking about. Yep, I'm assuming. Yep. Um, and you know, we're in this filmmaking section and I think Kyle realized pretty early on, oh, I don't want to be a filmmaker. I want to be a cinematographer because he had done still photography his whole life. And he was just, we found out early, he was really good at that Mm. and, um, really cared about that more than anything else. And, uh, we just happened it's funny how we met too. We were at the school orientation and I was the tallest one there. And he was the second tallest one there. <laughs> and so I was like, eh, I'll just go say hello. <laughs> and yeah. we just, you know, we hit it off. And then we happened to be put in the same class. And um, he's uh, living back home in Jersey right now. But he flew out to shoot this music video that I just uh, oh. shot. And yeah, he was a cinematographer on the music video. And then I'm shooting a... We got right. a Spielberg Lucas thing starting up here. This is a little what's bit. going on. Yeah. Okay. Let's, then, uh, uh, let's mention the, the name of the band and the name of the uh, song for the video so people can uh, check it out on YouTube. Yeah, the band is called Motel at Midnight. The song in the video is called Running in Paradise. Um, cool really song. Cool. Very cool song. Yeah. yeah, really cool band that I've met here that we'll be working with pretty soon again. Um, yeah, and then I'm shooting my next thesis because uh, I'm like finishing. I took a big chunk off of school while it was all online and now I'm finishing it out and I'll have my next thesis this summer and Kyle's coming back to shoot that as well and um so I think yeah like what you were saying what you were saying with him with kind of struggling is I think it was just he you know learned pretty early on oh I'm I'm not a writer I'm not a director and he was kind of stuck in that spot at the school but at the same time we had a great cinematography instructor that was able to help him a lot and just a lot of people in the class were like, Hey, Kyle, shoot this for me, you know, because that's just, you know, and he was very happy to, because that's what he's good at. And so like that just worked out. And I think that's like a lifelong connection we'll always have too. Yeah. But again, it, it speaks to the point of going there and showing up and giving it a try. You find out, no, not that, but this, mm-hmm. yeah. And oh, you, yeah. you know, and that's, you don't that's... learn that without trying. That's the what I think is such a fascinating aspect of um, just school, film school in general, no matter where it is, is everyone comes in thing, saying, I'm going to be a director. And I, I don't know if it was you, Alex, or some, one of the other instructors said early on, like, out of the 14 of you, only maybe two of you are going to come out. And, and when you're, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old and say, OK, I'm a director. You know, everyone will probably still be in the industry, but they'll all find their niche and what they're good at and what they enjoy. And uh, it's kind of interesting to see everyone kind of fall into that spot now. Yeah. You know, Um, Alex, go ahead. But when you when it's a good time for you, I want to take Breck through a lightning round. Okay. All right. So uh, then this or next... nuts and bolts lightning round. <laughs> right. This, so start shaking, Brett. Yes. This, this right. next, <laughs> next fold is is this very uh, uh, central to me because I was curious about it. once you had your script and and there was some 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 facts and back and forth and you did a number of rewrites on it and I I really applaud your willingness 
to do that because that is key. Like Chris and I are always saying the devil is in the rewrites. But once you had your rewrites done, how did you approach casting? Um, I first went to backstage like a lot of people do now because, you know, it was all I had done in-person auditions for other projects before that. But now that was kind of out the window. So I uh, went to backstage and for the two leads, for the older brother, who his real name is Sam, but he played the character of Albert, he was the only person I read. And now he's like one of my best friends and he's my roommate slash co-writer. And that, and he's going to be in the thing we're shooting this summer. And um, that was sheer luck. But then uh, for the brother, for the little brother, who's kind of the main character, his name in the movie, Sam, the actor's name is Bridger. He was from Atlanta and I just kind of put a little extra range on the, um, casting you know because a lot of great actors are in Atlanta and um got really lucky with him as well and he was great and the rest of them I was able to find in Birmingham because one thing I learned about Birmingham and I think this is true about a lot of smaller towns that aren't New York LA Atlanta as that and this I learned this with the cast and the crew as there's so much talent and so much creativity in these places mm -hmm. that don't have, like we were talking about, like an outlet that don't have right. something uh, on much of a scale to, to do that on, you know? Mm -hmm. So this is all their side hustle because they couldn't, like you couldn't afford to do that as a full-time job in right. these places, which is just so crazy because um, living in New York and living here, I've worked on different crews as different, like uh roles on crews and i still think the people that i found there were as talented if not more so um from a crew point and a cast point than just about everyone else because besides the two leads everyone else in the film uh, i think there's six other roles are all from birmingham and they are all fantastic mm. one of them uh suzanne the uh female antagonist in the movie she uh works at my mom's running store <laughs> and and uh, was at an acting school uh, in New Orleans and then uh, ended up moving to Birmingham pretty recently. And I was just like, hey, do you want to audition for this? And she was so great, you know. Yeah, she was. Um, Perfect. Okay. All right. So go for your... your, your All right. So, um, so Brick, um, a lot of the people who watch this are emerging artists, um, writers, creatives, so we do a lot of stuff about process. So these questions are going to be more focused on process than anything else. And then just quick answers, no pressure. Uh, first, how did you gather scene ideas? Was it, did you, did you type them out? Did you write them longhand? How did you gather the ideas? That's a good question. Um, the story changed pretty drastically from point A to point Z. Yeah. you know and um so getting there obviously took a long time and I think it that one was tough for me because I did it pretty much alone mm -hmm. and I've learned since then that I'm much more of a collaborator than anything else that um when it comes to writing something if I have at least one other person to bounce it off of it'll go 10 times faster and it'll be 10 times better 
Right. So um, this is the concept of the writer's room, right? You yes. And that's and that's what I strive to be in because I want to get into TV, but we'll get into that later. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so with that one, it was um, I would say I just kind of sat down and fleshed out the outline of like, this mm-hmm. is what I want. each. So are you a typer or uh, I'm a typer. Yes. OK. Yeah. How many drafts? Oh God, wait, so many. So mm-hmm. because Are you talking like I said, 10, 20, 30? Probably 20 to 30, somewhere yeah. in that range. Um, so, because in each class, we were just going over it over and over yeah. and, you know, adjusting it every day. The reason I ask is because, you know, you know that the power of writing does come in the rewriting. Mm-hmm. Not everybody understands that. So if you can speak to the discoveries you were able to make and rewrite. Um, yeah, God, it's been a while since I've thought about this script so much. Uh, I guess the, but um, yeah, so the discoveries kind of came into like, like I said, the script changed so much and it was originally like, the older brother gets arrested and the little brother has to go find him and save him. Right, right. But then once I got that down, I was like, this doesn't make sense first off. <laughs> and it, I don't see the um, connection in the brothers happen. Like I want to like at the end of this short, you see the little brother kind of turns into a killer, like his older brother. And that didn't really, you didn't see that on a personal level in the original script. You know, so it was really getting the two of them to be closer, but also um, just like see their arcs together, not separately was the biggest thing. Now, those sound to me like opportunities because, you know, we've been writing for a while. That's something that um, younger writers, newer writers might let it stop them. So what advice might you be able to give to all right when you when you hit this wow this part's not working what's the positive of seeing it as an opportunity rather than a oh i suck because we all get that i suck moment. <laughs> yeah um i mean something i always keep in mind is like though and i had uh one of my current classmates send me this recently because i was struggling on the script i'm writing right now and basically it was just this quote that's just the way to write something good is write something that sucks and then make it better you know (laughs) so that's you know it's just it's just the idea of getting what you have in your head on paper yeah and then you can work it out because it's so much harder to work it out when it's stuck in your head it's not gonna go we're always we're always saying you know let it suck let it it suck giving yourself permission to write crap so then that you can turn the crap into fertilizer you know, and grow well, something wonderful. Secret, right? You just yeah. make it suck less until it's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the thing I'm writing now is a comedy and I had read it in uh, this classman now like five times and got zero laughs throughout the whole thing. And then the final time that we read it, Sam and I had gone on this big rewrite and the class was laughing the whole time. And I was like, wow, like, and they know the story you know but just getting into the nitty-gritty before that after like seeing what works and doesn't work every time and then and that's another thing is is have put other eyes on it you know you you know you 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 brought this up so i'm just going to take a quick side trip here 
Um, I'm curious about your approach to writing comedy because uh, there's there's different mindsets to how some people do this, and some people just write jokes. They it just comes out of their head as a funny remark, and they're able to just boom drop it down onto the page. When you write comedy, what's your approach to to writing as a comedic scene? Let's say. Um. So anyone listening. Everything I say can be discarded because this is my first time writing comedy. And I think it is. I think that uh, and I wanted to do this really bad because I think comedy is the hardest thing to write. And I think you guys can probably attest to that. Yeah. yeah. And I wanted that challenge because that's what I want to get into um, is comedy. But uh, I am a big believer, again, going into collaboration in that there is no comedy. There's no like really good comedy that people talk about that wasn't written by at least two people. Mm. There's very few comedies mm-hmm. that like, if I watch, I'll watch the credits and it says one writer. No. That's so rare, mm. you know, because, because uh, comedy is so subjective and one person, and also it's really difficult to laugh at your own jokes if you're mm-hmm. in a room by yourself, because then you're borderline going on like, you know, crazy person. <laughs> and, uh, so send so the getting, ambulance over. <laughs> yeah. So getting to the point of like, just having someone be like, okay, like this character, you know, is trying to get to this point in the scene. Like, what can he do? That's like, maybe a little offbeat but still true to him you know and it's all about it's all about each character having their own things that are funny like not everything's going to run together yeah so that's a big part of it too yeah it's not you know it's it's not the setup punch you know take Mm -hmm. my wife please that's that's you know 100 years ago it's it definitely has to come from the authenticity of the uh characters you create i want to go back to lightning we're going to go away from writing um did you storyboard i did yes and how how extensive was that and did that help the script um i think if i could draw worth a damn at all (laughs) i think it would have helped the script a little more uh it drives me nuts because my dad is this like great artist and i like just in drawing he like drew plans for like he's a farmer he draws plans for his barns and they're flawless and I can't draw a straight line. And like, I think if I could do something like that, or, you know, working with a storyboard artist would mm. have helped a lot. And it did to a point um, still, but I think more, it was kind of, for me, it was more for a cinematography thing of getting a point across to Kyle saying, Hey, like, this is kind of the idea I'm going for here. What do you think? How can you make this better? Yeah. Sort of thing. Excellent. Three more questions. It's only three yep. for me for this landing round. One, um, especially with COVID, how did you create a positive working environment on set? Um, I think a lot of people at that time uh, were just desperate to to be on a set. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was a big part of it. Um, my mother luck was really kind and was the COVID compliance officer. So she, and she did a great job. Um, and I used her maiden name in the credits so that it wouldn't look like nepotism, but, (laughs) (laughs) but anyways, um, so yeah, it was, 
And so like that was a good thing. We didn't have to worry about that so much because we had one person that was, you know, focused on that. But at the same time, everyone was just like, okay, like let's let's do this. Let's make this good because right. I just need I need to be doing something. You know, so that was a really nice thing. Um second to last one, you use guns on on this film. And um as you know now with uh, the Alec Baldwin situation, um, man, that's a, that's a dangerous situation. It's a, you really got to take a lot of cautions. So how did you handle all that? Um, so the, the guy who played the sheriff um, in the movie, his name is Hassel Cromer and he was uh, our weapon, our, our weapons master in every scene that he wasn't in. And then he had someone there to be it when he was in scenes that's excellent um and he was really great we made sure there was obviously no live ammo anywhere nearby and then even to be extra safe you'll notice in every shot where a gun fires it's a single shot it's a single shot the one time that you see smoke coming up in a in a two shot he shot it in the air and then pointed it down and then we cut the second he got it down right you know so um very careful about never and this was before you know all that happened um but still it was just even in classes like richard had talked to us about you know bruce lee's son yeah and uh yeah yeah, and how careful you have to do with that kind of stuff so we were i we, I would say we did a good job of Excellent. safety. With All right. Now, this last question on the lightning round is a bit of a cheat because it's a com- uh, combo question. Um, first, your your best, most satisfying moment of this whole experience. And then second, the funniest. Okay. Um, so the most satisfying was just... Um, like each day coming back home from a shoot when because Kyle was stayed at our house when we did it and the first thing we would do was we would go hook up our hard drives to the computer and just watch everything back try to get like a rough cut that night of those scenes just kind of see how it fell into place you know and that was just like I think our expectations were lower than what the product was Mm -hmm. final product so like first day was the outside stuff at the beginning is what we shot. And we were like, oh, we kind of did an okay job. Like, what? Wow. <laughs> you know, you know? <laughs> and um, that was very satisfying. The funniest was the first scene with the little kid with young Sam. Yeah. Uh, was a friend of ours, uh, son, who I'm sure you could tell is a great actor. He does like mm-hmm. theater stuff and commercial stuff, yeah. but he did a great job. But before every scene, and between every take, he was like a loose cannon and was just like the typical, like, this is why you don't work with kids. Right. right. And, but he was like having everybody just howling on set. And he was so funny and he was just dancing all around. And the second I said action, he was just completely straight faced and crushed it. You know, that's amazing. So um, he really had us laughing like. <laughs> on the car ride there him and sam the one playing his older brother he was giving sam all these ideas for how their dad died in the script <laughs> <laughs> which is never said in the script but right, he was right, just right. giving him all these different ideas of you know a farming accident a bear got him you know all these different things <laughs> so he was, he was great. 
Alex, before I ask anything else, uh, I better I better hand it over to you for a second there. Un unmute, brother. Un unmute. You're muted, Alex. <laughs> I did that because I was clicking around trying to set something up. Um, oh, I, I thought you were doing silent film. I'm sorry. <laughs> From your youth. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's two times right okay um what i wanted to ask uh what actually what i wanted to happen is i would love to to, to show like just a couple of minutes of of the of, of of certainly the western and then if we have some time also uh a little bit of the music video but um so i was just looking for the link to it but maybe breck maybe it's easier if you wanted to show um a scene from the western if you're recording it i think it would be it would stream better okay so then let me just yeah. let me just um if you just type brett cuddy into youtube it'll show up there you go and ladies and gentlemen that's how you can see the entire film um what's the running time on the film brett uh it's a little over 24 minutes Excellent. um like i said if i could do it again it'd be a little under 20 but you know oh. That's a, that's a lot the to next... cut. That's fascinating. It is. I, I know. I know. I think it would uh, come from just a little bit more rewriting. I, you know, we you're told uh, a minute per page. Yeah. The script was 16 pages, and I learned that with shorts, it's usually a minute and a half per page. You know? Oh, fascinating! And if you go to Breck's page, you can also see the music video. So Breck yes. Cuddy on Great YouTube band as well, and you can have the Breck Card Cuddy Festival. <laughs> yeah that's that's true we we do want that so um actually i've got mo okay so i've got motel at midnight and there's the western saving grayson saving grayson <clears throat> so i'm just gonna great pull name, that up great title. yes thank you i'm gonna thank pull you. that up and um breck is there a particular scene that you think would be best to show or should i just run the uh, uh the first scene with the the brothers um give me one second i'm gonna fast forward through this and see what might be the by the way while he's doing that i'll uh, say that breck breck went to um he went to new york you know film academy and and you graduated from there and then you went out to la and that's where you are now right yes sir and when you graduate from academy. there uh, December 13th of this year, but who's counting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's another, uh, uh, New York knife, uh, alumni, uh, Zach, uh, who, uh, just graduated, uh, just a few weeks ago. So, um, from graduated from, cause he went out to LA also. And mm -hmm. I think it was a year before you, uh, but he just graduated, uh, this year from the LA uh, campus. So nice. I will be interviewing him at some point too, but it's it's such a pleasure to see you guys just moving forward like this. Anyway, what did you find? Uh, maybe go to like uh, 1439, I believe. Uh, okay. We can watch like the jailhouse scene, I think. Oh, yeah. 14, okay, 1430, uh, 25. Unless Chris, you watched it this morning. You watched it sooner than yeah. I did. Any scene in particular you think? No, that's a great scene. Um I mean, I think that it has a nice evenness all the way through as far as the uh, quality is concerned. Okay, um, well, I've got 14, cool. 14, 1404, 
Okay, 14, 17, I see the younger brother. No. Okay, anyway, I'm I'm there. 14, okay, okay. 14 39. I'll 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 just go with I'll go with Let's that. Let's roll the dice, Brick, and see what he brings up. Yeah, okay. So let me just get the share thing happening here. And I'm gonna start this Puna Momento. We'll get wide so we can have the, the whole screen. Come on, blow up there, and here we go. 14, well, yeah, 1437. Jesus Christ, what are you doing here? Get the hell out of here. Why is he here? You know this Yankee boy. Sam, you need to leave. Yes, sir, this is my brother. He got too late last night. Why is he here? Well, son, your brother's here. We killed an unarmed soldier yesterday. Unarmed? That's bullshit. Why? I've already heard it, okay? The news your brother's telling you to go home. No, I'm not going home until you give me my brother. Well, son, I guess you can wait till tomorrow. Hey, Sam. You either get out of here. What's tomorrow? Some kind of goddamn joke. You serious? He needs to see a judge. I ain't a judge around for miles, boy. You can't do this. I'll do what I want. This is my town. You hear me? I'm not going to have some no good Yankee come in here and start killing good people. You're wrong. I'm going to get you out of here. Can't promise you that. Hey, listen to me. Leave this place, okay? Get on the phone. Take care of it for me. Excellent. Okay. All right. There we go. Hang on here. Let's stop the share. So I've got to compliment, uh, you know, the cinematographer. Uh, Everything is Kyle. So well. hey, Kyle. Kyle, come on, yeah. Kyle. You're doing all right. Um, <laughs> I, I. Like I said, he's a still photographer and he just, you know, that's what he understands. That's just, it's beautiful. Um, it's it's uh, great serendipity that it's that particular scene because um, you did a great thing. Uh, a Yankee like me got really mad at that chair. By the way, great performances, right? Um, like I'm mad, you know, because he wouldn't listen to the kit and it just by the time i was registering that my anger <laughs> the rest of the scene unfolds and you realize why and you know you're just a half a step ahead of uh or a half step behind the scene and it um it unfolds and you realize how much danger the kid is in and the older brother understands and yet i was so that was so enjoyable to have that experience. Here I am thinking, I know what the hell I'm on doing. And uh, the scene took me to school, which is wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you. Yeah, I was, it was uh, with uh, the guy who played Albert, uh, Sam, who's my roommate, the older brother. With him, that scene, I was just like, okay, you don't have that many lines, but basically the whole time you're just saying, get the hell out of yeah. here, you know? And that's, and, you know, and just like in his facial expressions, we cut back a couple of times to just him, like not even saying stuff, and he, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm very and, happy. with that. And again, there's thing. so much uh, showing rather than telling there, you know, uh, as you're looking at it, and this is the second time I'm seeing that scene. Um, the older brother's character's name is Albert, correct? Yes. Yeah. Al, you can see Albert has been beaten. We never see that scene, but it informs this one thoroughly. 
you know, and when uh, when we see him outside of the cell a little later, without giving too much, you know, you see the bruises even more. So it reinforces it in a very subtle way, uh, raises the stakes, something that you do uh, um, exceptionally well without telegraphing or putting a huge spotlight on it. And uh, that's, you know, that's the key to really good storytelling to make it organic. So that was one of the things that I was most impressed with was that there was a lot of organic storytelling going on. Yeah, I would, I would. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, I would say also, um, Breck, understanding again, um, a, a larger piece of the picture, which is to know, going back to what we started with, knowing what you guys were dealing with while writing, while creating this piece, how you and your classmates were, were looking at the world changing around you. And you'd even said this at one point, not knowing if we're ever gonna get to shoot anything, if we're ever gonna get to do anything, um, people having to go back home and all that. And I think in our last class at that time, um, I made a point of making you guys take a moment and, and give yourselves a hand because you had made it through that with all that doubt, with all of that confusion, with all of that uncertainty, you had struggled, but you had focused on, yeah, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to, I'm going to write my story. I'm going to tell my story to the best of my ability without any guarantee that it's ever going to go anywhere. And in this business, that is a skill and a strength and a muscle that you do have to build up because you don't have any guarantees. You know, even, even Scorsese isn't sure that every film project he wants to do is going to get done. You know, so mm -hmm. ultimately, sometimes it's on faith or passion, dedication, commitment, and doing it for yourself or doing it for the greater good. Um, and, and, and a wing and a prayer. And so, you know, that was great. And then for you guys to come together, you and Kyle, you and the cast, uh, to come together, the support that you mentioned you got from the class in terms of reading each other's scripts, all of that made this possible. And you at the helm, I would also say your personality, the kind of person that you are, that you are open to collaboration, you are open to uh, critiques, constructive critiques. You are open to um, working longer hours, adjusting and shifting to turn out the best possible product you could. All of that is reflected in the work that we've seen here. And I'm just glad we had an opportunity to interview you and hear, hear from your own lips what some of this was like for you. Um, <clears throat> before we have to go, because we have to go soon, I, I want people to be able to see the film. So I believe Chris had said it a moment ago, but is it just go to YouTube and go type in Breck Cuddy? You can type in Breck Cuddy or Saving Grayson, either one. Um, yeah. So B-R-E-C-K-C-U-D-D-Y, Breck yep. Cuddy uh, yes. on YouTube. Just check yep. it out. And also the music video is there as well, right? Yep. Yes, sir. What, what's that called? It's called Running in Paradise by Motel at Midnight. Oh, Motel at Midnight. I'll, I'll Motel we'll, at Midnight. Okay. Hopefully no. we'll have a couple more um, by the end of the year with this band as well. That's cool. Uh, yeah. We got along very well. I'm so my last Can question I, for you, Breck. All right, and I have one question too. All right. Well, here's my question. Go ahead. What's, what's ahead for you now? 
Um, so like I said, I'm uh, doing some pre-production on the thesis I'm shooting at the end of the summer. Uh, it's called Pickersville Talent House. It's basically a mockumentary, kind of Christopher Guest style sure. of a small town in Iowa that opens up a talent house and these unique characters showing off what they think are artistic uh, abilities, you know? That's cool. And so after that, um, I'm looking at some jobs here now to work part-time this summer to continue on after I graduate at like some ranches out here um, where they rent out horses and other animals to movie sets because the, I've worked as a wrangler before, like uh, at ranches and uh, my dad's a farmer and it's what I love doing. So meshing those two things would be huge for me, you know, would be the most enjoyable thing I could think of. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's the short term plan, at least, at least for this year. So. Okay. All right. And, and keeping and, a, an open mind is, a, is another thing, you know, yeah. so. And you'd said earlier that you, you'd hope to, to write uh, more comedy and, and stuff like that. So is that a part of the yes. long term plan? Part of the long term, um, I mean, the the biggest things, my, the biggest goals I have right now are Saving Grace in the series, the miniseries, eight episodes, um, getting that written and start pitching in a, I mean, obviously no one's going to give a show to a 22 year old, but in a couple, in a few years, you know, hopefully start pitching that. Um, I know you guys interview some comic book writers and do some comic book writing yourself, but that's what I love doing is reading comic books all the time, every day. I have DC Infinite, you know, the app and just that's my iPad is my most valuable asset for that reason. (laughs) And uh, A big goal of mine is to make a Nightwing movie or show, whichever one uh, Warner Brothers would sign off on. So I'm hopefully going to be starting that script soon because he's big reason. It's my favorite character ever. Well, saving um, Grayson and Dick Grayson. I'm I'm seeing a Grayson thing here. Yeah. Where it came from, yes. <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, and then um yeah, just hopefully being able to kind of mesh a little bit of comedy into those things and and uh you know, work on comedy in the future. I'm taking an improv class now outside of school, um, just to, you know, get that, you know, muscle going. Listen a little up. Bit. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. That's the only way to do it with comedy. You just got to keep going and work with, yeah, yeah under the okay, pressure. Okay, what was your question? Well, it goes, uh, it kind of goes backwards because your question was a great last question. So this will be like the deleted scenes question. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's a really timely subtext in Saving Grayson. You know, you said it right after the Civil War where theoretically the division should be healing, Mm -hmm. but everything you see in the film, they are not. And right now, today, in this country, at this time, the divisions are not healing. And I I can't help but ask, uh, was that part of the plan? Were you aware of that? Did you kind of, did you want Um, want to make a commentary on that or... I think that no matter when this would have been made, I think that always would kind of be the feeling um, because, you know, people say like times are so bad in that thing, but it's like, have they ever been, you know, that (laughs) in that sense. And um, the biggest commentary being made was that, um, you know, there's all these 
movies, shows that are made during wartime. Right. Uh, and during the Civil War, during the, you know, whatever, Vietnam, World War II, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's very rare to see something that takes place after it. Right. And so a big thing, and there's this reason that, you know, Albert kills the Dillashaw brothers and then the Dillashaws are trying to kill the Grayson brothers is because um, the Civil War was a time where it's literally brother killing brother. Yeah. And it's it's not, you know, you're not going to a foreign country where you definitely don't know anyone and you're fighting for your country. You're fighting for a part of the same thing, you right. know, for um, and and to see kind of where these people would be after the fact is is yeah. what I'm curious about with mm. uh, continuing in writing this yeah. um, and well, that narrative. Thank God we're not in a civil war today. <laughs> but um, um ding thank you Greg, uh, thank you this is really excellent thank you yeah yeah thank you guys yeah. this is yeah, my really. first interview so yes. i hope i did okay no did no fantastic. you, you, really, you bombed terribly it's horrible yeah <laughs> that's what i thought yeah. no, and, no, I, and no. i blame your teacher that's no. right yeah, there you go i do want to say i do want to say uh alex just gave a great um monologue a few minutes ago about uh my character and things like that and i just want to say alex is i don't chris i don't know if you see this much because you guys have such a repartee but alex is the most uh what's the word i'm looking for uh remember this is a family show (laughs) yes He's always the first and the most uh to give praise and to give compliments and it's always the most well thought out and genuinely kind things that I'll ever hear or read. And even during all this COVID stuff, when we were in class, and then even afterwards, he would always he would, there were multiple times when he'd email our whole section, just to, you know, be like, keep going, you know, keep being creative, keep doing this stuff. And I just want to say thank you for that very much. I, I think of it as earthy eloquence. You know, he's just kind of mm-hmm. very down to earth. 1930s jazz singer. Yes. <laughs> Remember her? She was great. That earthy eloquence. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I thank thank you, thank you, Breck. Um, oh, thank you, and and Chris, this has been great. Uh, I really appreciate all the um, compliments you've given as well. This has been so fantastic. I, I really enjoy y'all's podcast. Well deserved. And, uh, thank um, you. He actually listens to this podcast. <laughs> well, my apologies. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, no, Breck, it, it is it's really, this is very, uh, it's wonderful experience for me because, you know, remembering what you were like when I first met you, going through all of that, watching where you're going now as you're on this journey, it, it's just, it's a great moment to acknowledge that you've come a long way and in some ways, you fulfill the promise that that some of us saw. So um, we just well, want to you. keep cheering you on. We're in the bleachers. Yeah. We have the pom poms. I'm not putting on the skirt, but you know, just know that I'll be cheering for you. And just keep well, on thank going. You very much. And uh, we, we, we should talk more often. And yeah. uh, I looking forward will, to have you back, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. And if y'all are down, I, uh, I might. Is it okay if I send you guys the script I'm working on for? Oh, yeah, Kentucky? absolutely. Oh, excellent. Uh, that would be excellent. Yes. Yeah. I would really appreciate that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, please. Please. Um, really, uh, Alex will give you my uh, my email. Address. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to ask Alex to send me that. I'll, yeah. I'll do that when we when we when we finish this. I'll do that. Cool. Excellent.
Okay, well then, as we like to say in, in passing, you know, everybody just, I hope you had a good time. If you want to leave any of your comments, uh, questions, any of that, please feel free, drop it in the comment section or send us an email. Uh, and everybody, please continue telling your own, own damn, damn story. story. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, everybody. Take care. Thank that you. was funny, I know, but. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Thanks, Brick. Take Thank care. You. Peace.